Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Big show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a Big Show. Is everybody ready? Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. It's hump day. woo Hump day? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, we are pushing formalities aside. We have business to get down to right away. You ready to roll? I am ready. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for finding commercial properties uh, concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. He is a defensive back for the BYU Cougars. He's D'Angelo Mandel with us here on the big show. Great way to get the show started. D'Angelo, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, guys. How you doing? Hey, we're great. Uh, let's let's start off kind of broad. How's camp going so far? How you feeling about your game? Camp's been good. It's, uh, it's actually only been a few days, but we're getting things done, getting things installed. Offensive defense looks good. So, you know, it's been a good camp so far. So, apparently, it's been a good camp for you because we've heard whispers from some of your teammates that you have been the most, well, how should we say it, Jake? The best defensive back or cornerback going during practice so far? Uh, I would say I'm, do, I'm doing what I need to do, and I'll make plays when they need to come. So I appreciate my teammates saying that. I think that means a lot to me anyways that they're playing that out. But honestly, I'm just trying to do my job. And it's an important one, right? Describe kind of your role in the defense. We've been watching Coach Tuiaki, obviously, defenses, you know, Kalani Sataka defenses that, that came from the Kyle Whittingham defense for a long, long time. And it seems to me that uh, you being able to be out there on the island uh, really enables your teammates to do some special things as well. Uh, definitely. I think uh, over the years, the coaches have finally trusted us so like, as, a, as a room in general to go out there and play man-to-man coverage. I think that was the biggest thing over the years, finally trusting us and going through the lumps and ups and downs. But now we got to a point where I think they could just leave us out there and any single one of us, all of us in that room can go out there and make plays. So, so D'Angelo, tell us about the secondary, the back end of that defense. How's it looking overall? What uh, Can you take us position by position and tell us a little bit about what you're seeing? From the corners, uh, we're, we're doing everything we need to do each day. There's still things we got to work on as far as the small things like assignment, alignment, and technique. But, you know, we're still trying to get better. Um, the safeties, they look really good. I'm definitely liking the safeties right now. Um, Chaz, Ethan Slade, Malik, they all look really good. And the nickels, too. I don't know if you guys saw, but Caleb Christensen on the first day had like two picks um, out of nowhere, so they're all looking good, and Jalen's finally getting back into it too. So the secondary is looking pretty good as a whole, in my opinion. 
So this is one of those, you know, touchy-feely questions that doesn't really have any meaning. So take it whatever way you want to go. But what's the vibe in the locker room? What's the vibe around this uh, year's team? We ready to play. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but we ready to play. I'll put it that way. Hmm. Well, how about the front end of the defense? How's it all coming together? The linebackers looking good. How about the guys up front trying to replace those guys who left? The the front end is definitely – I would say from linebackers to D-line, they're very, very sound. Um, the linebackers, as you guys probably know, they're very deep, and they got a lot of guys that can play. And the D-line, honestly, I think it was probably the biggest surprise for me because, you know, we lost Tyrus and Zach Daw and Bracken, so those are big shoes to fill, but they've came out with a bang so far during camp. So I think for me that's the biggest surprise so far. D'Angelo Mandel is with us, defensive back for BYU. Um how does it feel or, or characterize your thoughts going into at least a more normal season than last year, right? Last year was so crazy, so touch and go. You didn't even know who you were going to be playing the week of. You know, it was so crazy. Now it's it's at least a little bit back to normal, for the most part back to normal. It's got to feel good. That feels absolutely great. Um, everyone's ex- Obviously, everyone's extremely excited for the first game. You know, it's going to be in Vegas and all that. But honestly, I think the craziest game right now is going to be the, the second game and our home opener against Utah. We finally get to have the whole stadium packed and fans, family, everybody there. So I think everyone's honestly just excited to have that the fans and normalcy going again. How do the guys down at BYU look at that Utah game? I mean, how much is it emphasized? I know you got to focus first on Arizona, but what's uh, what's the attitude about that game? Um, Honestly, like all the other games, we want to win and we need to win, so. That's the, that's the attitude right now. But we're really just focused on one game at a time. You mentioned that Vegas game. What do you think about playing neutral site games in Vegas? And, uh, you know, by all accounts, there's going to be a terrific crowd. Is there kind of a little extra juice to playing in an NFL stadium, albeit one kind of closer to home? Um, honestly, I think the neutral site games are good for not even just us, but for other teams too because some games are too far for some people and their families. And I think a game with a neutral site, that makes it easier. Like, in a place like Vegas, like, my family can come there. My friends can come. And I'm sure people in Arizona, their family and friends can go, too. So I think games like that just make it better for the people, to be honest. D'Angelo, one aspect of BYU's defenses in recent years, they the guys up front haven't put that much pressure on the quarterback. Sometimes they have, but... How much does that help you guys at the back end to have those guys uh, making that quarterback get a little jumpy back there? Uh, it always helps. I think when every guy does their does their job, and uh, it's our philosophy here, especially with Kalani, is do your 111th. So if all the guys just do their job and get what needs to be done, then we'll all get our job done. Um, what are, do you set personal expectations for yourself or goals going into the season? Do you? Uh, I, I don't know if it's something you quantify like numbers or. But do you kind of set the bar for yourself going in? I have my I have my goals and my expectations for myself, but I don't have a set number. It's more just being consistent, making sure I'm doing the right things each and every day, make sure I'm being a good teammate, uh, leading my guys, and do what I need to be doing. D'Angelo, the other day Jake and I got in a conversation, and I've written a little bit about this, but do you guys this year feel any um, need to substantiate what happened last season 
because you had that great schedule lined up and then COVID hits and you're grabbing whatever opponent you can find to put on the schedule. Do you, mm-hmm. do you feel pressure like you need to make some sort of statement this year in the name of last year's team? Not at all. This is a, this is a new team. It's a new year. Um, honestly, I don't really like believe in pressure like that. I think we're just playing football, having a good time, doing what we love. So this is a new year, a new team. We'll do what we need to do. You're looking forward to school starting. When does school start? <laughs> uh, August thirtieth. What? Uh, tell us a little bit about you. What's your major? What are you kind of into off the field? I'm a human development major, and so. Outside of football, I would love to work with kids um, or be like a marriage counselor. That's always been my kind of focus in life. So this degree, what I'm trying to get is uh, definitely give me in the right direction. Awesome. Should we all make appointments with D'Angelo to make sure our marriages stay Probably a good intact? idea. Uh, just just, oh, just kind sure. of like a tune-up, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for I mean, sure. Everybody needs a little help here and there, right? Yeah, I mean, especially me. D'Angelo, that sounds like a really good career. That's cool. That's I, awesome. Let, let me ask you about – are you bigger than the average cornerback uh, these days, or are you about in that range? Because what are you, 6'1", 195, something like that? Yes. Sir. Well, what's the what's the average corner size now? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Jake, you got any idea? I have no clue. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered uh, how you measure up that way. Uh, I mean, I think I got pretty good measurables and sizes over the years. I mean, I worked hard in the weight room and stuff and training and eating. So, but if you find out what the average corner size is, then you can let me know. Then well, I can give you a better idea. We'll we'll let you know that. One last thing, D'Angelo, you're from San Diego area. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, growing up. Uh, shoot, San Diego is the best place to be. If you need to go somewhere to visit, I recommend San Diego. Um, I wish BYU was in San Diego because <laughs> <laughs> that would make things a lot better. But but no. Nah, uh, Go to San Diego. That's all I really got to say. I just got back from there, so it was uh, very nice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great spot. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I did one year long distance with my uh, – ended up being my wife <laughs> in law school. She went to law school for a year down in San Diego before before coming back here, and it worked. You know why it worked? Because San Diego was pretty rad to visit, i got to be honest. Yeah. She did, That's uh, a yeah. great place to do law school. Not bad at all. Hey, D'Angelo, real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thank you, guys. D'Angelo Mandel, uh, defensive back for the BYU Cougars, kind enough to to jump on the phone. And uh, I, you know, who was it? I think it was Norma we were talking uh, talking to right a couple of weeks ago, who said she thought that the corners were going to be a strength of the defense. And uh, you know, I'm sure D'Angelo is is uh, eager to go out and make that happen. He sounds like a fairly articulate dude. Oh he? yeah, he sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, that's that's what we've been hearing. And uh, we also have been hearing that the guys have been doing real well in practice. So we'll see what happens once the games really count. You know, he answered a couple of those questions just the way the coaches would want him to. But I get, I get the impression he wasn't, you know, he wasn't lying. You can't look past anybody. He mentioned that the Utah game was a big game, but wasn't going to look past Arizona. And that's really I, – I still remember – uh, before the 2004 season for Utah, talking to uh, a couple of players on that team, some of the veteran players, and th- they talked at length about that. And all of them said, we know it's a cliche. We know you take it one game at a time, all that stuff. But that really is going to be a key for us 
in this season. And I'll be daggone if they weren't absolutely right about that. So a couple of takeaways, uh, Gordon, from my side, which I, I thought that was a fun conversation. One, I, I asked him about the, the Vegas neutral site game, and, and he got into that a little bit. And he brought up an important point. Listen, if you play in Vegas every once in a while, that's the easy place for families to go yeah. and a place they want to go. Yes. And, and as far as recruiting and, and helping families see you know, their sons play football, that's a, that's a nice little tool. And he alluded to that. So I, I still would expect to see more of those games. You know, you hope this one goes well because you want to see more of those games down in Vegas. And it's one thing to play at Sam Boyd. It's another to play yes. at the Vegas. Vegas yes. is the Raiders' new outfit. Have they gotten the, the kinks worked out of that place? I don't yet? know. I don't know if they've hosted an event since uh, well, it was Garth Brooks or something. This will be the first ever uh, football football game, game with fans the, with right? the, with people in the place. Have yeah. you guys seen this arena? I mean, I mean, the stadium. It, it looks like a Roomba. Yeah. It really looks. It's it's. <laughs> It's what's the word? It's striking to look. It's at. gaudy. I hope they hit with this one because I think they missed with T-Mobile Arena. Not not the niceness of the arena itself, but the outside. I I'm, I don't dig the like copper hockey puck look. <laughs> uh, but but the, the my other <laughs> my other takeaway is he asked about his role in the defense. He talked about how you know during his time in the program they've been talking about playing more man-to-man and that finally the coaching staff is going to trust them to go play that man-to-man. Listen, how do we remember uh, Coach Sataki at Utah? He had he had those guys out on the, he, he on was, the islands uh, one-on-one, baby. Which allowed him to be very creative, right? I, I remember him as a defensive coordinator as very creative. I, I think about the Sac Lake City teams and these teams that were super aggressive and creative. And as you know, Gordon, watching this defense for many, many years, what allows you to do that? You the, have guys you can depend on out there. Absolutely. So maybe for the first time in Coach Sataki's reign, uh, reign, that sounds like such a negative word, doesn't it? Like his reign. Comrade Sataki's <laughs> reign. His, well, reign, that sounds regal to me. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, during his reign down there at BYU, maybe this will be the, the first year where we will really be able to see what he wants to do defensively because okay. he'll have – you know, the corners like D'Angelo who can go out there and get the job done. But the the, the hard part is that's a huge responsibility. Sure and is. And not easy to do. I, and depends on what receivers you're playing and the schemes and all that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, but if they have the confidence that the corners can go do that, if the coaching staff does, I'm excited to see if BYU might be able to dial up a little something, which would, uh, Gordon, sorry if I'm being windy here, but which would um, help with something that you've been talking about and you actually asked D'Angelo about and that's getting to the quarterback. If yeah. they can be more creative up front because the back end's more locked down, uh, I think that will I think that will help. Speaking to your previous point, I think when I think of pressure positions in football that everyone can see, there are three that stand out to me. Okay, the one where you make a mistake and the whole world knows. Yes. Okay. The quarterback, the kicker. All right. And the cornerback. Are we just talking football cause our, or team sports? I was talking football. Okay. But individual, uh, individual sports. Obviously, you know, every position is important um, to get the job done what about for punter? their specific assignment. Oh, kid, no way. Well, punter? I guess because punter, you make the mistake. If you kick. whiff on the ball, maybe. Well, yeah, or, or shoot. Nobody cares about bounds, that. You know? <laughs> but, but honestly, how many times have we seen the punter wait, not? Wait. We're talking situational punting? Situational punting. No, I'm trying to think of if you make a mistake, everybody knows about it. Maybe receiver with a drop. 
Not like the cornerback. Well, the corner if the cornerback it's, it's gets a, beat. You are there. Depending on what defense you're playing. Strip naked. But in what we're talking about, where you're putting them on an island, yeah. I mean, it's six. So they're, they're, their mistakes are out there. That's why I love the corners that get beat. That uh, you know, all of a sudden they they you know the play's over and they're kind of limping. You know, like oh, <laughs> my hammy. Oh, that's why. Is that what they do? I hadn't really noticed that so much. Not all the time. Not all the time. You're gonna get beat sometimes. Yeah. It's just the way it is. But it's such a challenging position to play, um, especially when you get beat deep. Yep. Well, or when, you, when the receiver catches the ball and then you fall down or something stupid. If if D'Angelo plays well and his position group plays well, that will be a big deal for the BYU defense, which is the question mark this year on the team. Everybody seems pretty confident in the offense. And the defense, because they're replacing some guys, especially up front, yep. everybody's kind of wondering about. And if if that position group can play well. And and if D'Angelo can go out there and and do what he's talking about, then that'll be a big deal for the BYU. And defense. unless he so. was lying, he said that that group up front has surprised him in a in a yeah. positive way. So. That was uh, that was a good interview to start the show with. That was that was I like good because I I think that he's going to play an important role in BYU season this year. I really think that. So thanks to uh, D'Angelo Mandel for jumping on with us here to start the show. We're going back to back with D'Angelo. And then uh, we're going to talk to uh, Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan coming up next. Stay tuned. It is the big show. What a way to start, huh? 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Joe Ingles joining us. You told us you wanted a medal. So I'm curious, in the middle of that game, knowing how bad you wanted it, was it just another basketball game or was it a different deal because you knew what was at stake every minute of the game? It was probably the most different feeling I've had in a basketball game, if that makes any kind of sense. All-time playing for a medal, whether that be the semifinal or a third, fourth game, we were 0-11. We built this thing for 12 years. Obviously, the goal was to win a gold medal. Once we lost the semifinal to the U.S., I think what we've struggled with in the past is the mental part between losing that game and in 36 hours having to back it up to still play off for a medal and the guys that have been there those last few campaigns there was just no way we were going to lose. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Cougars at 30 update. Big thanks to BYU defensive back D'Angelo Mandel, who jumped on with us to start the show today. We will get that interview up online in podcast form. Gordon, uh, Coach Sataki has told us often how he wants competition in camp. And he uh, talks here about how to get new guys enough time to have a real fair chance. Kind of have an idea because we had spring ball. The issue is when you're putting in the new guys, guys that are coming in for the new time into the program, give them a, bear, a fair shot, and then kind of you start moving. There's pieces that can be, be moved around, and there's guys that have to compete for their starting spots. So that's kind of what it is. I've told the team that you know we feel like we have more than 11 starters on each side of the ball, and if we can get 123 of them, that'd be great. But right now, we're trying to get as many as possible and what type of packages and personnel groups we can put together. 
Stay tuned for Cougar updates at the bottom of every hour here on the Zone Sports Network. This one brought to you by our friends at Davis Vision, the Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale. Going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson presented by Big O Tires with the lowest price on every tire every day with no credit needed financing options available Big O Tires the team you trust Big show Gordon Monson Jake Scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone band of the day today Smokey Robinson selected by me and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Jake, we got Mark Harlan coming up, and we, let's ask him if he's a Motown guy. Man, I love Motown. I was telling you off the air, I've got a got a double album record of all the number one hits, the hits that went number one for Man, Motown sounds, records over the years. That it, sounds about as good as it gets. Oh, it's amazing. Can you admit publicly that you're not a Motown person? Like, <laughs> right. honestly. Huh? That feels I'm, like I, something you have I've to lie about. I've never met yeah. one. Yeah. I, I, I talked to a guy once who was such a, this is back in the, back in the 70s. He was such a rocker that he, he didn't really care for it. But it seems like most people who are appreciators of good music. Have you ever seen Motown the Musical? Uh, no, but I saw a show in Vegas about the Motown story. Uh, this, uh, this was a Broadway show and came through town probably two, three years ago. And it's Barry, it's basically Barry Gordy's story. He's the main character and it's really good. Worth seeing for sure. The, the, the music in it was obviously terrific. (laughs) Hard to mess that one up. But Smokey was a a big driver of really the whole label because he wrote, he wrote tons of stuff on on top of the stuff that he uh, himself performed. So, uh, Gordon, yeah, excited to talk to the athletic director at the University of Utah. In fact, uh, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Smartly find out more at smartrain.net. He is the athletic director at the University of Utah. Mark Harlan with us here on The Big Show. Mark, thank you very much for a few minutes. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Mark, have you gotten totally acclimated to being the the big cheese, the big boss up there? (laughs) Well, I'm acclimated about being here. I know about the big cheese. It is amazing to think that that this is uh, going into my fourth fall uh, as we welcome all our students back in the fall sports the last few weeks. It's, it's amazing how fast it's gone, but uh, continue to feel blessed every day about being here. So what's the last year and a half been like for you? Start, say, oh, March of last year until now. How's it been? Yeah, it's been, a, uh, it's been quite a journey. You know, I'm always empathetic to the fact that everyone's going through a journey uh, as we manage through the pandemic, but um, just try to keep very focused on the health and safety of our students and our staff and 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 trying to make sure that we're just being real communicative uh, to those groups in particular. You know, you go back to March when everything ended and, and how we had to just remind everybody to control their controllables and, and graduate in some cases or just finish strong in school and keep them safe through the summer. And then, of course, the 
the on and off again um, situation with our fall sports. Uh, you know, I, I look back on some files on that just the other day, and I was shaking my head and just couldn't believe some of the things I was reading and thinking about what it'll look like in 10 years. But, you know, it's just now you fast forward to today. I just met with our football team this week, our volleyball team, our soccer team, and just, you know, it was just so thankful for everything that they've done and what they've gone through and, and, and now just so excited about what's to come. So a lot of enthusiasm as we take these next steps. Mark, have you been able to handle the uh, the economic losses? All right, Gordon, we we are we are in a good place. You know, the ending number was right around thirty two million dollars. Um, you know, it's a lot of money. Uh, could have been a lot worse. Um, obviously, uh, we were able to get some football games in, some basketball games in that helped with our TV revenue. Um, combined with just some amazing sacrifices by our staffs with their salaries and and uh, those type of things and furloughs. So we were able to keep the number uh, in a manageable way, and we've just continued to work with great, great cooperative leadership here at the University of Utah with our trustees and um, certainly, uh, you know, Ruth Watkins and, and now President Randall uh, to make sure that none of that hinders us going forward. So we got a good plan, and uh, it's not going to stop us whatsoever. I want to get your thoughts on on conference expansion or realignment, I should say, because it's not necessarily conference expansion. Conference realignment starting with Texas and Oklahoma and where, you know, we might be going with this. Uh, last time major conference realignment happened, it was a really good thing for the University of Utah getting into the Pac-12. And I can't remember if you were at Arizona or UCLA at the time, but you got to see it on the other side of things. And so I'd be interested to hear your perspective on where you think we're going. Yeah, it's been, been quite a couple weeks. Uh, to say the least, um, I like to think things don't surprise me anymore, and and that one certainly did. You know, I've had time to reflect, and it probably shouldn't shouldn't surprise me based on you know the Big 12 members having to commit to to grants of rights and those kind of things. And obviously, those two schools made a decision for their future. Certainly uh, caused quite a uh, tremor throughout the business. And you know, I, I love the approach that uh, our commissioner George Klyovkov has taken on this with the leadership of the presidents and with input from the ADs that, you know, it's silly not to listen. I think that's leadership. I think you should listen. And and those schools that are interested in talking to the PAC 12 uh, have been doing so. And I think that approach is, is a good way to do it. It's good for George too, to, to, to learn and meet some of these people, learn more about institutions. But, you know, I don't think our conference is out there looking to expand by any means, but I think they're willing to listen. It's a high bar in terms of revenue expectations for anyone coming in and partnership and, um, all those kind of things. But I'm excited about what the future is for our league. We've got 12 great schools and great cities, and um, I think uh, our commissioner's approach to this makes a lot of sense. Based on your experience in the past, Mark, what do you, what do you foresee college football looking like five, ten years from now? <laughs> well, you know, that's one that, that I wish I had. Um, I wish I had the ability to answer it in, 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 in some way that would be realistic. I, I, I know that um, – Here's what I know. There's so many eyeballs on, on college uh, football in particular, and I think you know data suggests there's even more coming, and there's going to be more players to the space. Um, and I think that you know it, 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 the one thing that I that I think we're heading toward is is more centralized leadership in some ways to to uh, lead the sport forward. I'm a member of the football oversight committee. Um, there's members of each Power Five conference and some others, and certainly we're involved with key decisions in college football, but at the end of the day, the power lies in the various different conferences. So, 
I'd like to think there'd be more of a um, central type leadership to deal with the key issues going forward. I'm not so on board with super conferences. I mean, I certainly can see that happening. I know Whit and I have talked about that. He kind of sees that happening. Um, I can see more partnerships in creative ways with conferences to try to move together for, in, a, in, a, in a proactive manner. But um, I know the game is still going to be here. I know it's going to be big as ever. But who leads it, what it looks like, um, are the things that uh, we're all trying to noodle through for sure. In leadership, are you thinking that the NCAA may be left behind? Well, if you look at football already, it, it, it's just, you know, NCAA just doesn't oversee any of the postseason in football. And that's always been a strange dynamic uh, if you consider their role in other sports. NCAA overall, certainly the Alston decision um, a, a few months ago, and it's <laughs> last time I checked, nine to zero in the Supreme Court is 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 uh, pretty pretty clear. I think it's allowing us to um, you know really relook at the whole idea of the NCAA. What are they good at? What are they not good at? And what what transformational changes can be made? You know, yesterday that committee uh, was announced. Uh, that group's going to look at everything A to Z to come forward with with new ways forward. I do anticipate maybe more authority within the conferences um, and uh, and some other adjustments uh, like that. I guess the question is, is what conferences are going to be around, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the other question that has to be looked at. But I do think we're going to see some tremendous changes in the NCAA going forward in the whole model. So you mentioned the new uh, conference commissioner, uh, George Klyavkov, and I had a chance to talk to him a couple of weeks ago at Pac-12 Media Day, and he, he certainly left a good impression to me. But I two-part question, uh, you know, what kind of first impression has he left with you? And then the second part, and maybe this one's a little bit more difficult, when Gordon and I talked a lot about, you know, what the Pac-12 was going to be looking for, and of course, negotiating media rights and, and that kind of background was one thing. But then, you know, Larry Scott was also, well, I, I shouldn't bring Larry into this conversation, but, but George was lacking in administrative experience let me put it that way and experience you know boots on the ground in a in a college athletic program so uh what do you think about george thus far and second does does his lack of a background in that area concern you well let's go to the first i mean uh very impressed uh with with everything he's done to date um very inclusive uh, he calls me texts me uh i do the same you know, his first uh, thing he did was was called all the ADs within 24 hours after his announcement. Um, invited us all to Las Vegas to to get together. Uh, we dug in for a full day informally and and talked about uh, how how we, we we all want to move forward together. Um, and it was it was great. I mean, I left there feeling like this is going to be a really good thing. And I also left there realizing how smart he is um, and how much studying he had done uh, even prior to meeting us. So, yeah, I mean, of course, when it first was announced, and, and again, they kept that, that search very quiet for all the right reasons, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, boy, he hasn't been on a campus or, you know, the, the challenges that are ahead in this NCAA space that we just talked about. But um, he's done his homework, and he's a great listener, too, right? So all of us in that room have that experience. So he's leaning on us for that. At the same time, he's a visionary you know, when it comes to television distribution, uh, revenue, uh, increases everywhere he's been. Um, so you combine that with the fact that he's a good listener on the other side. I think we've got ourselves a, a great shot uh, uh, to really move the conference forward. I don't know how you prepare for a job like that, Mark. I mean, is that, is that something that you would ever want to be a conference commissioner? We were joking with him. You know, like July 1 was his start date, which, as you guys know, it was the, the first day of name, image, and likeness. And the Alston case had just been decided. 
Um, and then a few days after that, or I don't know, all the dates combined, you know, then we got the, the, the realignment stuff going on. So we joked, you know, you want to, you know, how about that MGM job you had? How does that look now? Right. <laughs> I mean, he really jumped into it, but I think, you know, and he said this the other day, he just, he looks at these as all these opportunities for the league. And also, I think when you when you go through crisis, as most of your listeners know, you, you know you, you tend to endear yourself to others and you create teamwork and partnerships pretty fast. And that's what really what we're what we're seeing with him. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough job, Gordon. You know, I love being on a campus. It's it's just such a great uh, environment for me and my family. And and you know, like I mentioned, just being in front of the volleyball team earlier this week. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. So, I love being on a campus. Mentioned name, image, and likeness. Got to ask you about that. Um, you know, it seemed to have come so quickly, and it certainly seemed like the University of Utah was prepared. To take us through, you know, your role in that and what you're trying to do to to put your your student athletes in a position to succeed. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. It was it's just been like a two year, three year build, and then all of a sudden it was it was here. And of course, you know, two days before we still didn't know the rules and how we could do it. As as as, as you guys know, we don't have a state law here, right? So we we were waiting for the NCAA to to, to kind of come down with their edicts. Well, they finally did about a day or two before, and just two tenets: one can't be used for inducement uh, to to bring someone to to the university nor can it be used in inducement to keep one to stay, which is obviously we're seeing more transfers. And, and the other one was you can't do pay for play. So you can't do any kind of contracts. Young person gets paid for how many yards they run or whatever it might be. That's it. And in a state with no law, now you got yourself an opportunity to really launch the exciting stuff that you hoped you could. Um, you just didn't know what the rules would be. So where we are today, incredible partnership with the business school here, Echo School of Business, the Lausanne Institute, you know, one of the top-rated entrepreneurial centers in this country. Our students are engaged with with those thought leaders uh, to really, you know, look forward and what they want to do, work with their time management, education, uh, all the things they need to do, and then go after it and go get it. And we're empowering our students to do that. We certainly have some compliance checks we want them to go through so they don't get caught up in something that that's too far. And I've been really impressed with our students. I mean, the ones that have the time right now, they're jumping into it. We're seeing some really cool deals develop. Uh, in various different spaces, um, and we're just trying to work collaboratively with them. It's not my job or anyone's job to take X player to somebody. They got to do that. I think that's part of the learning process that they need to do. Um, so we're seeing it. You know, we know we have our Olympic gymnastics that'll be here pretty soon. I think we'll see some really fun stuff come from them. Um, and certainly, as the football program gets started again here in a couple weeks, and, and stars rise. Um, we'll see more of it going forward. But, hey, I love it. I mean, our students are excited about it. It's an opportunity for them, and we want to make sure that uh, they capitalize in all ways possible. It's interesting to hear you say that, Mark, because it seems like some powers that be in college football have been resisting this for uh, some time. And uh, you're much you're a much more nuanced, uh, sophisticated thinker than Jake and I are. But <laughs> but true. Jake and I have disagreed on this issue for a long time, and I don't want to mischaracterize how you feel about it, Jake. But I I've been for it. Uh, Jake has some concerns about it. Is this a good thing? Uh, thinking from your own mind, inside uh, the far reaches of yeah. Mark Harlan's mind, is this Not a too good far. thing? I can assure you. Is this a good thing? Well, listen, it's a good thing for the student athlete to be able to do what other students on the campus do. It's always bothered me some of the restrictions that the um, successful cellist or successful theater arts major could do, um, knowing that our students in some ways have a much larger platform. Um, 
I wish there was more uniformity in the rules. I wish there was a federal rule that could say a little bit more specific on the rules of engagement. And I think we may just get there. Um, but, you know, on the same token, there's always things that you worry about in this industry that, that aren't right. You know, there's always folks that are going to uh, not follow rules or things of that nature. And I think the time had come to, we had to move beyond that and we have to look at what's best for the student. Um, and that's what's really, really happened here. Do I look like I saw yesterday and, and I kind of put my hands on my forehead when I see, you know, an, an Ohio State um, incoming player with a new car picture there with the car dealer? I thought that's the photo we've been terrified of uh, for, for years. And I looked at it and I, I was like, oh, gosh, you know, knowing one of our kids could, could have that opportunity or BYU, whoever. And I thought, you know what? We can survive that. We can survive that. You know, we can we can do this. Um, and, you know, we just got to we got to hope that the schools do the right things. But I think a kind of a, a look across the landscape to kind of have uniformity since the NCAA now really can't do that in this space. I would still like to see more uniformity in, in it. But seven weeks in and talking to some ADs and the SEC and the Big Ten, certainly our conference and and others, um, there's some some comfort settling in that people are really trying to do the right thing. Mark, we know time is short, and Gordon and I have a laundry list of stuff uh, that we wanted to get to, but uh, it would be remiss if we ran out of time and didn't ask you about Michaela Skinner. What a special story uh, there in Tokyo at the Olympics that had to uh, do the athletic department proud. How about that? Just You know, when good things happen to good people, it's great, but also when good things happen to people that have gone through so much. And, you know, to just see it go down and the way it went down, right, for her to get that opportunity because another athlete was so brave to come forward with what she was struggling through mentally. Um, I just thought the whole story was incredible. Um, you know, we're looking forward to her coming out and visiting and going to try to convince her to come out to a football game so 51,000 can cheer her on. And, and, of course, the other Olympians that are coming back in that sport for us. So great moment for her and, and a very proud moment for the University of Utah in all regards. Uh, can I sneak one last one in here, Mark? I, I'm curious to know from you and your standpoint, what is your expe- expectation for Utah football? I mean, I get in conversations with people all the time, and I say Utah's a great school, it's a great location, and they say, oh, well, it's not USC, or it's not Oregon, or it's not this, or it's not that. Do you, what, what do you have in mind for what needs to be accomplished with that program? Well, you know, it's it's always good to be compared to folks. I think there's a lot of folks chasing us now, too, which is a really neat thing. Listen, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited about the football season. Uh, you asked about program, but but uh, I'm so excited about the football season. I'm, I'm, I'm really um, pleased with, with this roster and the depth and, and all the seniors that came back and these newcomers that have just been off the charts already in camp. And so very excited about the season. We all know that we, we made a huge leap a few years ago winning the South and then back-to-back. Our next step is to win that, that conference championship um, and, and get to the promised land, which is, you know, the, the – Final Four uh, and or the Rose Bowl and, you know, everything we do in that program is designed to do that, along with keeping our graduation rate is 94 percent, which is where Wits got them and all those things. So, you know, that's obviously the next step. Witt and I are are agreeing in that, that that's where we want to be. We know every year is a challenge, but um, our recruiting has been great. I think the way coaches handled the transfer transfer porter in such a way that, 
it's been great for the youths uh, is also another really, really great thing for us. So very excited. Uh, I understand perceptions are what they are. We got to pop into that, that last, uh, those last special games. And, and that's what uh, every day we, we try to take a step forward to, uh, to do that. Well, Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's a it's a pleasure to have you, and uh, congratulations on the stadium as well. That's something we we couldn't or we didn't just quite get to. So, uh, congratulations on that. We appreciate you jumping on. Thanks, guys. I look forward to seeing it at the games this fall. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan with us here uh, on the Big Show. That stadium it does look sweet when you drive by it, doesn't it? It looks great, and then the aerial pictures look cool. It's something that you know people have been talking about for a long time. It's really something that needed to happen. Not so much the you know closing in the corners, which is you know I'm sure fans are excited about, but the locker rooms really needed it, and the press room and all those facilities in there that just needed a little boost, a little upgrade, and they they took advantage of it. Add some added some seats and. It's gonna. I think it's uh, it's something that's gonna benefit the program. That whole south end zone area, man, that looks nice. The way they've sort of in, integrated that into the rest of what's there uh, looks good to me. And uh, Jake, you were talking earlier about football stadiums and the way they look on the outside or hockey arenas. How would you rate the arenas? And the stadiums in the state of Utah, from you know your architectural expertise and your eye for beauty, which stadiums, which arenas look the best to you? Jeez, I don't even know if we have time to to dive into this. You want to think about that, and we can, you can give me the answer when we come back. Okay. Don't change that dial. I want you to rank those, and I want to know whether you know where all these these arenas and stadiums are. Land. You are the Frank Lloyd Wright of the Zone Sports Indeed. Network. Hey, I've been to the Unity Temple in Chicago. What's that? Uh, what's that uh, famous resident? His residency. His residence in uh, Wisconsin. Falling water. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Uh, I don't know if that's the official title. I have to look it up. Splash a bath. What is it? Not so it's, okay. It's, Wisconsin's got to have some kind of dairy. Attached to it, not water. I think it was falling. Like cheese encased sausage. It definitely has a waterfall in it. Yeah, Yeah, that's like the main feature of the whole thing. There's, I think there's a Frank Lloyd Wright replica around here somewhere. Anywho, Austin is pulling out. Well, Austin doesn't have any hair left. Never mind. He's pulling out beard hair right now. Uh, We'll get to more next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60. Weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Utes at 50 update on 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Utah camp rolls on, getting ready for uh, game number one against Weber State. What, Austin, like three weeks away? Does that sound right? Uh, Of course, uh, eyes on the receivers and how prolific the passing game is going to be this year. Receivers coach, uh, new receivers coach, Chad Bumpus, talks about how his group looks. 
Uh, it's been good so far. Older guys helping the new guys get adjusted. So it's been good. A lot of competitions, creating a lot of competition. Guys are stepping up, and we're seeing what we thought we would. So it's been good early on. We get to your Ute updates at the 50s every hour right here uh, on the Zone Sports Network. Uh, this update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. If you're working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner, Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire, every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is a really tough question you've asked me here, Gordon. Well, I've, you're the guy. You're the one who has the eye for beauty. I'm the, the architectural snob on the show, which I guess isn't saying much, but I don't, I don't feel qualified for that. Uh, so reset your question here. It's a big show, 97.5 and 1280. The reason I brought it up is because earlier in the show, you were talking about, we were talking about the Raiders' new stadium, and you were talking about uh, how the, the hockey uh, slash basketball arena down there, what's it called again? T-Mobile? T-Mobile, yeah. That you aren't a big fan of the way that looks on the outside, although it's nice inside. So I thought, why don't you rank the stadiums and the arenas here in Utah. From an architectural standpoint. From the way is, they look. But purely subjective because maybe I appreciate something that others don't. I'll I tell know, you. I know. But you have, you have, uh, you know, you have more, you have more experience in judging these things. So. so number one is easy. What I like to call Smith's Mobile Ballpark. But it's really Smith's Ballpark. That was a joke because I once mispronounced the, anyway. Uh, I love the classical, you know, throwback baseball stadium. Okay. Like, that never goes out of style, right? Think Camden Yards, that sort of thing. Yeah. The, the, the I think shout the same out. company did it. That, that could not 100% very sure, easily thought, be I true. I thought that was true. Huh? But still has got to be one of the best-looking ballparks in minor league baseball, I would guess. I don't know who judges these sorts of things. But, like, that, it'll never go out of style. How, how old is... Is that ballpark now? It's uh, what mid nineties, early nineties, three ninety four ish, somewhere in there, and still is is right on point in my opinion. So number one was easy for me. Okay. From there, from there, I'm kind of ninety four. Thank you, Austin. From there, I don't know. See, BYU and uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium and this arena we're sitting in right now, Vivint Arena, are pretty similar in my mind because they're very Utah in my opinion. How like so? A, a lot of our buildings are, are are functional. You know, that's that's kind of where our culture has found beauty over the years. You see a lot of classical Utah, very fun, the beehive state, that type of feel to it, right? <laughs> and and what, but while not being, you know, um, aesthetically pleasing, not necessarily because we also have the temples around here, which are which are quite grand. But you look at some of the other architecture, and there's a lot of you know a lot of function to it, a lot of you. But the, but there's beauty in that too. Like you're talking to the son of an engineer here. Like I mean, there's absolutely like look at our wonderful studios where we're here now. If they had not built this arena how they built it with the the square, you know, to it, w- w- this studio would not be possible because they basically walled off a corner. 
And uh, anyway, I find the gray and the windows in this building really cool. But BYU is really cool in that way, too. You can see the underside of the bleachers, right? Uh-huh. And you can see the stacks where the elevators are and those sorts of things. And it's it's done really nice. But you look at it and you go, man, uh, uh, an 8.0 earthquake could hit this thing. And this is not going anywhere. You know what I mean? It's very much commanding in that way. but Like strength. Continue. Um I think the facade that they put on the west part of Rice-Eccles Stadium is super cool. Like that that kind of wall that goes straight down and it has the, the, oh, the, the pillars on, on either yeah. side, you know, like that that part. I don't know. Did they do that in the 2000 renovation or 99 renovation or whatever? But I think it looks cool with the windows up really high. And if you ever look the other way through those windows, I mean, you see every part of the valley Beautiful. and it's, it's yeah. really, really cool. So I don't know if there's... A, a ranking I can put there. I think no, that they I all, believe me, we're getting to the ranking. I think they all. Uh, have I'm, their, I'm just hearing the preliminary right now. the The Marriott Center feels very like late '70s, early '80s to me. Like, like, like almost like a. And actually, you could say the Huntsman Center too, for that matter. Almost like a, a snapshot in time now. Uh, I'll tell you one thing about the Marriott Center is it it as far as the cleanliness factor goes. It looks like it was spit and polished yesterday, you know. Um, but okay, go, go and on. then and then like the the spectrum really is what the the building conveys what it's all about. Like this is going to be a little loud box <laughs> that if you're an opponent, you're going to want to get out of here as soon as you possibly can. Like where the Huntsman Center has the big dome, you know. The, the Spectrum, that roof is right on top of you. If you've ever been in that upper press box at the Spectrum, I mean, you're it's like, bam, there's the roof. And it just is, it's built like for the atmosphere they want to create. Okay, what about uh, what about the Maverick Center? Or what do they call that now? Is that what the it's football called? stadium? No, no. I'm talking about the one. Well, because the- that's Maverick Stadium, the one at. Uh, I'm talking about the one, the, the, the arena where the Grizzlies The old play. East Center? Yeah, what's it called now? It's now it's the Maverick Center. Maverick Stadium is in Logan. Maverick Center is West Valley. I I always thought the red green contrast with the brick in that building was pretty cool. All right, what's and the I, big giant tall column thing that comes out of the north or uh, southwest side of it? I don't know. It's like ground to sky. It's like a big old tower thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just like parsley on a breakfast plate. Just something it, to look cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. A little weed on the side of your plate. That's the kind of eye that we need to hear from. All right. Now, do you want to throw in, like, the baseball fields, uh, the soccer fields? Oh, I love – what what is it uh, where the Raptors play? Lindquist. Uh, Lindquist. Lindquist, yeah. I love that field. Now, that – like, the architecture really fits in with the the neighborhood that it's in, you know, because it's kind of in a blue-collar – downtown Ogden, rail town neighbor, neighborhood, and it, it fits perfectly into that feel. It's very, I, I think it's very minor leaguey. Like, you would you would find that that type of stadium in, I don't know, like rural North Carolina, like Bull Durham. You know what I mean? But it's nice, too. At the same time, it's got that still like Smith's ballpark. It's that classic feel to it. But I like that that feels like I'm, I'm watching a baseball game in Ogden. Frank, Frank Layden said it's. it reminds him of his days as a child at Ebbets. Yeah, I could see that for sure. What about uh, Rio Tinto? Oh, man. So that's got a more modern feel to it, right? Yeah, so I, I, wonder, I wonder if Rio Tinto 
how Rio Tinto will hold up, not from a functionality standpoint, which I think is very, very good, but the the looks of it is very much modern. I got a problem with it. Okay. And this is it. It's the outdoor press box. We know. It's cold. <laughs> I got it. Storming. I, I liked I liked it when I first saw it. But I have traveled around various places and seen some of the stadiums over in Europe. And I like the vertical stadiums with, like, the roof and the girders and all that stuff going back and forth and all around. That's old school. That's old school Premier League and Bundesliga stuff. And that I don't get that feel at Rio Tinto. I could be wrong. I don't think that was the design for it. I know, I know, but they could have done it that way. I'll I'll tell you this. The functionality of Rio Tinto Stadium is awesome. I've gone to a couple of games with my father-in-law who likes soccer, and he has some uh, he's got bad needs, so he's got some special needs, that sort of thing. And uh, the the accommodations for all of that was, was absolutely top notch. And the the roof uh, thingy is it's, supposed to is supposed to mimic the Wasatch Front. You know, see that's the modern part of it that I wonder how that holds up going forward. But see, I like the I, roof thingy. Yeah, I, me I too. Like, I like the I like to bring the girders across the field and have everybody on top. Like anyway, all right. So now. What we're getting to. I here. can't rank it. You I gotta rank I it. I don't think I can. Oh, no, you're not dodging that. Come on. What do you mean, not dodging? I gave you it number do, one. I don't know where I'm going from it there. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Just rank. What's your number one? I'm asking you. What's I, your number I, one? I asked the question first. What? You don't have the courage to answer? I gave you number one. What's number one? I, I don't want number one. I want them ranked. No, I'm giving, I, want, I want your number one. Austin, do you want to rank them? Because uh, this guy over here is. Uh, is falling away. Uh, I think from an outdoor sporting event uh, setting, I think I go with Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I do. No, well, really? but we're not talking backdrop here. That's something different. We're okay. talking architecture. Architecture-wise, I think the most beautiful architect. Uh, uh, what's the word, expert? Architectural. Yeah, architecturally display. beautiful. Yeah, I think Rio Tinto. All right, is the is the best looking. But, but, but it's not. It's not old school soccer. I don't. Who cares? Who cares? See. Anyway, but you right. who refuse to answer the question, right. you who cares, or just sit there well, and, right. and, just, give us and a, give us sniper everybody's answer give, while give refusing us, give to give a, your own. Give bah, a, what do you know? Top five. Top five, yeah. like from looks. Yeah. Uh, real quick, off the top of my head, I go Rio Tinto. Uh-huh. Uh, I probably go Smith's Ballpark. I like the the points on top of Smith's Ballpark. Looks kind of like a Hornets uh, or a Bees. Stinger. Uh, number three, I'll go uh, Rice Eccles Stadium because of the facade and the views it gives you and all that. Number four, uh, oh, give me Laval Edwards Stadium there. And number five, give me Stewart Stadium in Ogden. All right. Where, what about the, the rodeo facility up by Riverbend Golf Course? Not making the cut? Oh, they, need, they have a lot of work to do out there. How about the? Have you ever seen the Severe Center? Where is that? Uh, have you ever seen the Severe Center in Richfield? No. It's yeah. gorgeous. can't say I've had the pleasure. Nope, Believe it or not, it's gorgeous. They've hosted a few high school tournaments down there, but um, I don't know what my uh, you number want my one. Top five number quick? one would be Smith. Number two would be Linquist up there in Ogden. Uh, number three, maybe this building. Number four, Lavelle Edwards. Number five, Rice Eccles, probably. Uh, well, Austin throws an interesting complication into the thing as far as the aesthetics of the landscape around the stadium. I mean, Keith, we're talking architecture. You keep changing the rules. Yeah, I know, I know. Keith Jackson said that 
Lavelle Edwards Stadium is one of his top 10 stadiums as far as you include all that anywhere in the country. But just the building itself, I think I would go number one. I would go, I think I'd go Rice-Eccles, number one. And then uh, Lavelle's place, second. Not including the mountains, because if you include the mountains, then I think you're right. You might have to go with the setting down there in Provo. But And then uh, it, Smith's Ballpark, I think. And then this building. Uh, and then what's fifth? I, I'd probably go... I probably go Marriott Center. Okay. All right. What about I, I, Davis Bowling Lanes up in Layton? Have they, fixed, have they fixed the seating in uh, at BYU's? Because it used to be, you used to be no taller than five five to feel comfortable in that. At the building. Marriott Center? Yeah. They took the, all the bleachers out yeah, a couple they, years ago. Yeah, yeah, they changed it up. Stay tuned. More big show. What's going on? Coming up next. 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Time to chat with Max Tooley. Give us a story or two about your mission. Something that was unique about my mission was I was assigned to speak Mandarin on my mission. Wow. So, yeah, it was quite the, you know, the tall order. Got to serve in different areas where, uh, you know, where specific, you know, Chinese students would be. I loved my mission. That Mandarin's going to serve you well down the line for sure. There's <laughs> yeah. no doubt about that. We appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, uh, Max, why? Oh, why? Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. I know a little Mandarin. Look at you. You Focus. just Googled that. No, I did not. I know Waini means I love you. Because... You just told Max Tooley I love you? Yeah, well, yeah, now that I think about it, I did. That's a little awkward. He said it back, though. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.